Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 6.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. We take you until noon. Bottom of the hour, we'll head to Story County to Ames. KASI's Dave Sproul uh, will be uh, just off the teleconference with Matt Campbell. We will get the latest on the Cyclones uh, following the teleconference and recap uh, game number one, Big 12 game number one, as Iowa State starts on the right foot going on the road and uh, knocking off TCU. At this time every Monday, Bama Bob, Trent, and I recap the weekend in college football. This time every Friday, we preview the upcoming weekend in college football. By the way, Iowa State's game with Texas Tech has game time has just been announced. That's week number three in the Big 12. Uh, it's a 2.30 kick also on ABC. So back-to-back weeks for the clones on ABC. Bama, good to talk to you, Bama. Bob, how are you? I'm great. If only we had anything to talk about, Ken. <laughs> what a crazy weekend, right? It was so much fun, Bama. Even if it would have stunk, it was- I would have said it was great just because we had the three three of the five uh, power conferences uh, in action. Uh, so much fun. Uh, you're, you can only say one, and, and we'll get into the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC as we always go around the conferences. Um, your single biggest takeaway from this weekend was what? Wow. Um I guess just an overall takeaway is to just it's going to be this kind of season. It's just going to be unpredictable mm-hmm. with all the with all the disruptions, the stop start, COVID transfers, opt outs, you know, you know, cancellations, postponements. We we just we have no idea what we're going to get from week to week. And then even within the game, I mean, we we. <laughs> I was I was stunned that Mississippi State, you know, the not I guess I was obviously it's a surprise that they beat LSU. The manner in which they did it by throwing for 600 yards against an LSU defense is is unheard of. Then you know Oklahoma totally in control with Kansas State, and all of a sudden what do they run off 24, 27, whatever it is, the last 24 points of the game to win that game in Norman after losing to Arkansas State. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just, I, I just think it's going to be a, a, a wild ride, and I think we're just going to be in to this. I think we're going to be in for this week to week, and we just you just never know what you're going to get. But the biggest stunner for me was how Oklahoma was in control of that game against Kansas State and then just absolutely let it slip away. And I, I saw some crazy stat, I don't, and I can't remember what it was, specifically, but something like a top five team with a 21-point lead 
it w- had won like the last 450 times that had happened. Mm. And, you know, and then it all of a sudden, you know, OU blows it. But it's just, I think it just goes to show how unpredictable this season is going to be. I, I'm overall, with you. I guess my takeaway. Trent, your single takeaway before we get into some of the games. It's one of the things Bama brought up, and it was Leach in the SEC with mm-hmm. a transfer quarterback, mm-hmm. not a whole lot of time to implement things, and they just throw for 600 yards. People wondering, can it work in the SEC? I I get the SEC is the best conference. I understand that. I'm not here to argue that point. But a lot of times we see this conference looking down upon everybody on Mount Pius when they probably shouldn't be there. It's still football. Mm -hmm. And and Mike Leach can coach football. And, boy, if you're a wide receiver in the SEC... And you say, you know yeah. what? Yeah, Starkville, not bad. I, I, I think I could hang out in Stark Vegas for four years and, and catch 300 balls during a three-year career and move on to the NFL. Going to be a lot of fun. Tennessee fans, too, Bama, might be kicking themselves just a little mm. bit. Pruitt is doing okay, but see what Leach does in game one. they got to be wondering what could have been three years ago. Yeah, that's a great point because, I mean, that they, they absolutely – Put the, um, the the trustees and mainly Phil Fulmer of, of all people, you know, absolutely killed that hire. Right. I mean, he had an agreement. It, it, you know, they've they've all said the right things publicly, but when you read behind the scenes and you know see some of the people who really know what's going on, I mean, they had a deal in place to bring him to Knoxville and they shut it down for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, maybe you know the same thing. Oh, he'll, that offense will never work. And listen. KJ Costello's not going to throw for 600 yards every week. This was a well, and Stingley didn't play LSU too. Secondary, right? Stingley Again. didn't play. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, now is he going to is he going to take away a hundred of those yards? He's pretty I good. One hundred and fifty. Who pretty knows? good. He's pretty good. Yeah. But you know, this was just an LSU team, and we talked about it. It's just such a weird thing. I mean, what fifteen, seventeen thousand people in the stands would have been. Would have been packed with over ninety three thousand. Probably would have been, you know, maybe it would have been in still a two thirty game. Probably the best game of the day. Although, if we'd have had a normal quote unquote schedule, I don't know what the the original schedule would have had for this week. But you know, none of that really matters. And and I, I just I, we knew LSU was going to be in transition. I think they've got more problems really on offense than they do defense. I think their defense will eventually come around and they'll fix that. But. Um, the kid that's replacing Joe Burrow is not Joe Burrow, and they don't have the the receivers that they left. I mean, I, I was watching the Titans yesterday, and and oh my God, Justin Jefferson just mm-hmm. running all over mm-hmm. Tennessee yesterday. I mean, that guy was playing at LSU last year. Jamar Chase was playing there, so mm-hmm. I think I think it's just going to be a crazy ride. I mean, all over the conference, Alabama looked okay, but not great against Missouri. They kind of stopped playing. Florida might have looked the best out of all of them, but mm-hmm. they struggled a little bit early. And you know, Kyle Trask throws for six touchdowns against you know an LSU. I mean, an Ole Miss team, and we saw Texas and Texas Tech go to overtime. That grain was crazy. If you had one eighteen in the under, you lost. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it was just I don't know. I just think it's going to be you know A and M struggling with Vanderbilt. Who in the world would have ever thought that Miami absolutely pummeling Florida State just across the board, just craziness. And I think we're just that's just what we're going to have this year, week to week. We're never going to really truly know. Yeah, we had two games, seven to five at halftime for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, Pete Thamel wrote this, and I want to ask both of you guys this because, boy, oh boy, I think he makes a really good point. His quote was, "Mike Leach is the best bad job coach of his generation. I might say of all times. I mean, he goes to Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Uh, off yeah. he goes, takes the Washington State job. Here he is at Mississippi State. Now the comments. Yeah, don't, uh, Bill Schneider says hi. I agree with you. K State. That was absolute and that's the bottom. worst program, right? 
but it was one spot. That's one spot. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think Pete Thamel, who's really good with formerly New York Times, now Yahoo Sports, really good college football mind, he might be right. Guys, let's move on, but let's stay in the SEC. Trent, I want to start with you because you brought up Kyle Trask mm-hmm. on uh, Friday when you're talking about Florida. This was an entertaining game, Florida and Ole Miss. Uh, a couple of guys in this game. Kyle Trask is the best tight end in college football. I don't care what anybody says. He's the Kyle best. Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts. Kyle so, yeah, Pitts. Right, right. Uh, that's what I meant to say. Um, him too. He's the best. Uh, he's the next great tight end in football, Trent. But Kyle Trask, boy, 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 he was unbelievable at quarterback. Yeah, Lane's got a little work to do with his defense over there. They have a long, long ways to go. But Lane Kiffin, that that was my takeaway. Florida was good. Okay, mm-hmm. but that was a Florida defense that I had big expectations. They put thirty six on the board. They were innovative. Lane Kiffin is coming, and it might take a year or two to get the right guys in place on that side of the football, but his teams are going to score. Florida's good, but Ole Miss is coming. That was my takeaway. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Elijah Moore for Ole Miss, he's a weapon as well. Mm-hmm. He's kind of in that Rondell Moore uh, mold, if you will. Bama, just, just Florida real quick. Um, I mean, obviously they can score defensively. We'll see. Uh, Florida, there's a reason a lot of people are picking them to win the East. Yeah, there is. And, and I listen, Florida was missing, I think, three starters that were kind of game-time decisions on defense. One of them is a kid from Hoover, Jeremiah Moon. He's going to play at the next level. He's you know one of those edge rushers, 6'5", 250. Don't know exactly why. Uh, I was kind of looking around trying to see, and all all Mullen said was he was unavailable. But listen, again, you know, you hit on Lane Kiff. To me, this is a lot, this is a lot more. I know Trask had the big game. They were able to run the ball. But I think I think Trent's on to something, and we talked about it. I mean, the fact that Lane Kiffin went with Matt Corral is yes. over John Reese Plumley yep. to me was a little bit of a shocker. But then the kid throws for almost 400 yards, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's got an absolute rifle of an arm. Uh, when you saw some of those throws, and you're right, I mean, they're coming. They ran for 170 yards. I mean, so I, I just I guess what again a, a little bit depleted, but. Going back to my original point, we're going to get this week to week. We're going to ha- their teams are going to have starters missing for whatever reason, for a variety of reasons, and you're never going to know it until they tee it up. Sometimes, so uh, I think the SEC is going to be a lot more fun this year. Um, it is not going to be three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, there are some quarterbacks and coaches in this conference when you really now go down the board. And I'll give you, I'll give you a little hint, guys. I know everybody in this a little bit off topic. There is a big swirl down here now that Alabama has moved off of Dabo Sweeney, and they are looking at Lane Kiffin and seeing what he does at Ole Miss. And if he keeps his nose clean for three or four years, gets them you know competitive in that division. Alabama's going to come looking for him uh, once Nick Saban finally decides that he's had enough. Oh, boy. Sign me up for that. The headlines, it would be absolutely incredible. Speaking of Alabama, I want to uh, get your perspective, what you're hearing down there. They get up big at halftime, and then they they put it on cruise control. Or It's Alabama. They're probably driving a Tesla and just let the car drive itself (laughs) home for the final half of the game. Were were people fired up and frustrated the way the second half go, or do they understand? Look, we're just going to coast into the win. Yeah, I think they understand. Okay. I mean, listen, they, they pulled Mac Jones uh, early in the third quarter to let Bryce Young, who is mm-hmm. the the next guy, um, you know, get some meaningful reps with the first team, um, which this year, as, a, as opposed to any other, is probably a smart move because, again, you know, Mac Jones could come up, you know, game day against Texas A&M and be unavailable or against Georgia and be unavailable. So you've got to get 
you have to get these guys. You you have to. I think you have to play more guys now than ever before. Uh, you know the the red shirt thing. You still want to manage it a little bit, but if you want to navigate this year, you're going to have to put in you know freshmen and everything else. Um, I just think Missouri kept playing hard, and Alabama kind of took the foot off the gas. Saban was not happy in his press conference afterwards, and you know they lost the fourth quarter, which is always a goal for them. They lost the second half. 16 to 10. Um, listen, if they'd have kept Mac Jones in and let him throw, you know, they probably would have won that game by 35 points, which is what I was hoping they would do, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody's overly concerned. They have A&M this week. Um, they didn't look but good. But as we learned, listen, as we learned from Kansas State, I mean, just because <laughs> the transitive property does not apply in football, okay? Kansas State loses to Arkansas State, beats Oklahoma. Does that mean Arkansas State's better than Oklahoma? No. Okay, A&M struggles with Vanderbilt at home. Does that mean they're going to struggle with Alabama? No. I mean, it's just going to be week to week. But I don't think people are overly concerned because they saw enough in the first half uh, to to realize that, you know, make a few corrections here and there, this team's going to be pretty good. Uh, Trent, let's go to the Big 12. We'll start with you. Your takeaway from the Big 12 this week was what? It's over. Unless the team, Oklahoma State or Texas, goes undefeated, there will not be a team in the college football playoff. Those three losses by Iowa State, Kansas, uh, and I'm forgetting the third, but back against the Sun Belt, already put them behind the eight pole. K-State. Yeah, K-State. And now with K-State beating Oklahoma, a champion's going to have to run the table to get in the college football playoff. I think a two-loss SEC team will get a chance over a one-loss conference champion from the Big 12. It's big, big problems, Bama. How do you see it? Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Um, listen, we talked about it. Oklahoma to me, I'm just, I'm stunned by that game. That you know they they got outscored 17 to nothing in the in the fourth, 31 to 14 in the second half. I just I, I don't know how that happened. I mean, I know Rattler started throwing interceptions, guy we all like and you know mm-hmm. kind of high on, but I mean. I just never saw that coming, and I think they've dropped to, what, 20, 21, whatever it is right now. And so, you know, like you said, that's going to be a loss, even in this nutty season. You know, it might open the door for a, a Big Ten or a Pac-12 team. I mean, who knows? Probably not. I don't think the Pac-12 with seven games should should really be included. But, you know, who knows where we're going to be. But I think you're right. Texas escapes in Lubbock, which, you know, is often how you get out of Lubbock is you have to escape it. <laughs> Uh, whether you're there visiting or playing football. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma State, nice bounce back for them. We we both thought they would kind of – you know, is it going to come down to Oklahoma State and Texas now? Is one of those two mm-hmm. teams, I think, going to be the team that now has to win out? And I'm not sure either one of them is capable. I mean, obviously they play I, I each other, so one, they're going to lose. One of them's going to lose. And I don't think the other one, given what I saw, is going to have enough to to really run that table. So uh, you may be right. I mean, it, it, it's a – it's it, it's not a good three-week start uh, for the Big 12. No, no doubt about it. Uh, I, I have no idea how Texas came back and won that football game. I, tr- I truly don't. They were absolutely beat, but scoreboard says yep. that they uh, found a way to win it and to come back and do it. Baylor, or Baylor, Kansas is just, as they always are, are just atrocious. Watching some of that yeah. game on ESPU, ESPNU on Saturday night, uh, just whew, that that's really bad football. All right, let's go to the, the Jets of the Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully they're the Broncos. 
Go Jets, oh. go on Friday on Thursday night, Bama. <laughs> Come on now, Trevor Lawrence in a Broncos suit. That would look awful good. But if you're an NFL Wouldn't team, you're, you're hoping for that one in 15. You're Kansas. There's no number one draft pick waiting for you the next yeah, year. That's a good point, man. You're yeah, a bad college true. program. There, there is no hope when you're sitting in that position. Yeah. Uh, Bama is the U back. They're awful close, but listen, um, this was my lock of the week if I had one. And and when I say lock of the week, I mean, you know, the little (laughs) – I I played this game and I laid the 12 and I would have laid 20. Florida State is just – you could just see this coming a mile away. Now, the margin of of the game was stunning. You know, was it 52 to 10 Mm -hmm. or whatever it was? But Florida State is a bad – football team i think we could i think we just have to acknowledge that now i mean you saw that in week one when they only put up 13 against a mediocre georgia tech team they are a bad football team um playing without their coach didn't help the u might be back i want to see more when they get into um you know listen what I think they're going to have a shot at Clemson. Either I don't, I can't remember if they play in the regular season or. or Bama, they play the, this. The, uh, they play next week. Uh, they're uh, oh, well, then, yeah, the tenth of October. Oh, okay. Well, then, yes. So that's when we'll really know if they're back. You know, I still think obviously Clemson is the class. I think right under them you got Miami, and I still think North Carolina mm-hmm. is pretty good. So. To me, but I mean, listen. All you can do is it's the, it's the famous thing. All you can do is beat the teams that, are, that you play, yep. and they. The, I still think the road win against Louisville was a, was a pretty good win. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, even though Louisville lost to Pittsburgh, but you know that's just again the way we're going to be this year. But uh, they listen. They've got defenders that are going to be in the NFL. We know they got a quarterback. Um, again, though, I would pump the brakes on the margin because. I, I, I've just come to realize Florida State is a very is just not a good football team, and I don't think they're going to be very good, maybe for two or three years. Because if in that state you are competing so much for in-state talent, and you see Florida rolling, and you see now Miami rolling, yep. why would a kid want to go to Florida State? I mean, when he has other options, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia as well. I mean, it's a big sell to say, hey, come help us rebuild Florida State over the next three years when the kid has NFL hopes and our aspirations. So um, they're good. I want to see them, you know, let's see them place a real, some real competition. I mean, real true competition, and then we'll know how good they are. Uh, ACC trend for you? Yeah. First of all, I think that was more of an indictment just how bad Florida State is than it was uh, Miami being back, okay. anything like that. How about Virginia Tech? Their mm. defensive coordinator can't go to the game. Right. I think they had a dozen or so players that weren't able to go there. Four coaches, including, well, defensive coordinator's not there, so you go second in command who'd be calling the defensive plays. He wasn't able to be there. They had to go third down the list, and they still get a 21-point victory against an NC State team that had already played a game. That was the first game for Virginia Tech. Important year for Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. They have to have, at the very least, a solid season, I think, for him to keep his job. Good start there for Vatek. Yeah, Pittsburgh as well, guys. Yeah, uh, don't they got a defense. Them. They do. They're, they're yeah, off to absolutely. a 3-0 start. Good one. Uh, yeah. Last thing, guys. Uh, look ahead to this weekend when we're talking about games on Friday. Bama, you're one game. We're obviously going to talk about more than one game on Friday, but is there one game that jumps off the schedule this, uh, this upcoming Saturday for you? Um... You know, it's going to sound like a little bit of a homer, but you know, A and M Alabama. I think that's a really good early test. 
week two. You know, Georgia Auburn in the SEC. No, that's I mine. Mean, that's mine. Georgia didn't look good. Nope. Uh, early, but the, and and I think it's just the questions at quarterback. Is JT Daniels going to play? And what is that? Is well, you it, know what it is, Bama. I did some. I did some reading. He's still not been cleared from the ACL. Yeah, well, that's what I was hoping. Yep, that's you know, it. It, it. Whether it was that or an eligibility thing or whatever, but nope. they're so vague about it. Why don't yep. you just say? Let's, I agree. And all Smart said was, "Hey, you're not, you're not cleared." Well, what does that mean in this day and age? Tell us, okay? Right. Well, his knee's not ready. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, you know, other than that, I, I, there's not a lot. I mean, you know, listen, Oklahoma, Iowa State's got my attention now. I think yeah. Iowa State. You know, I mean, where's Oklahoma going to be? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be mad? Or are they going to be stunned? So. Um, but yeah, I mean Georgia Auburn for me is a big one, obviously, and then you know A and M Alabama. Where where where's A and M really at right now after they kind of struggle with Vanderbilt? One game, Trent. You know they're going a different route than you guys. We always do our sneaky good game. This is going to be certainly on my list. SMU host who's three and zero. SMU with Bouchel. SMU's doing a nice job with that program, kind of rebuilding things back up. They get Memphis. We know what Memphis has been, Cotton Bowl a couple years ago. Should be a good one. Under the radar, 230. Your 230 Big 12 game, if you're a Big 12 fan. What is it? Kansas is involved. Yuck. Against Oklahoma State. Uh, So cross that one (laughs) off. And if you're one of the haters of the SEC, you don't want to watch SEC football, there's a 230 game for you. SMU hosting Memphis. Should really be a top 25 matchup at this point. If you think Big 10, Pac-12, Mountain West team shouldn't be ranked, but that's a conversation for a different day. Yeah, there's two Big 12 games in that window. Oklahoma State-Kansas, as you mentioned, also Texas Tech and Kansas State uh, on FS1. Well, we'll have a handful of games, guys, to look at on Friday. Bama, have a wonderful week. We will uh, talk to you on Friday. Thanks, Bama, Bob. Always enjoy, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. I'm glad we're doing it. Uh, it means football is back. Yes. <laughs> uh, Dave Sproul, he's off the phone with the Big 12 teleconference. Matt Campbell is as well. We'll uh, pick Sproul's brain on uh, what he heard from that. We'll recap the game and take a quick look ahead to Iowa State. They are on ABC under the lights in front of 15,000 fans at Jack Trice Stadium on Saturday. 6.30 is kickoff. You can hear the game, of course, down the, here, uh, down the hall here on 100.3 The Bus if you can't be in front of your TV. Miller and Condon till noon. Mr. Monday Night's got an appearance to make before we get out of here as well. Locked and loaded. Going to make it two in a row this week. Feeling good, Mr. Monday Night is. Well, anxious to hear from Mr. Monday Night. We're here till noon. 1460 KXNO 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. be hearing this at about 9.30, 10 o'clock on Probably Saturday 10. night. 10.05. Yeah, because the game's, what, 6.45 or yeah. starts so 10, just after 10. Well, heard it before. It's uh, plays that Jack tries after a big win, Lord Hilton. Uh, but we shall see. Oklahoma limps in to Jack Trice Stadium, Iowa State, off to a one and zero start conference wise. What a difference a couple of weeks makes. Dave Sproul, KASI, the Cyclones play on KASI in Story County. How are you, Dave? I am fantastic. How are you, fellas? Doing well. Uh, you just got off Matt Campbell's teleconference. Um, any news come out of that injury wise, or uh, one or two takeaways from listening in on Campbell's teleconference? 
No uh, injury updates. Those are probably best day for tomorrow since it's uh, later in the week. And, you know, this guy's two days in a row. No sense asking the same question two days in a row. Uh, and really nothing earth-shattering coming out of that game. Most of the questions in, in these Big 12 teleconferences come from media in other Big 12 mm-hmm. cities. And the local Iowa media really gets the extended time with Campbell uh, tomorrow. So we'll probably learn more about, you know, delving into uh, Oklahoma and the win against DCU and the injury situation and all that. I did find that one thing interesting is, you know, there's going to be this perception that Oklahoma is going to come into Jack Trey Stadium on Saturday angry, coming off the loss and extra motivated. And Campbell kind of played that down, you know, pointed out that, you know, good teams take these things in stride. They use them as motivation, certainly, but they don't get carried away with, with that emotion. Otherwise, one loss turns into two losses, and, and you get yourself into real trouble because you're thinking about last week when you need to be focusing on, on this week. And I think that's a good thing for Iowa State fans to remember, that both teams aren't going to go into this thinking, well, because of what happened last week, uh, because of the outcome last week, we need to do this. It's going to be, you know, everything's going to be based on the same things they look at week after week, film study, correcting mistakes, and emphasizing the things you do well. A lot of positives to take away from the victory against TCU. One thing that I think surprised Kenan and I when we were talking before the show today was that offensive line, just how they came together. There were holes for Brees Hall. We saw plenty of times for Brock Purdy back there to make the throws. How did that offensive line come together so quickly and, and from what we saw two weeks before? Yeah, I think it's just like getting that extra two weeks of rep as a team, all together, maybe not all together, but probably more together than they were in the, the preseason practices uh, because they you know, broke up uh, fall camp a little bit more into smaller groups due to the COVID situation. But you know, getting, getting a good solid two weeks of regular practices, working together. I know that Trevor Downing was supposed to supposedly on, on the field practicing a little bit, but I got to imagine he wasn't on the field all that much considering that he was not available on Saturday. And that just gave that, that unit a chance to really blend and mesh together and be, you know, be able to work as one unit in a Big 12 game, whereas it was kind of cobbled together going into the Louisiana game. Yeah, you know what? As I said to Trent, I didn't notice them, which is a good thing, right? If they're an offensive <laughs> lineman, uh, which was, you know, that's what, that's what you want. Um, the defense was terrific. Mike Rose's interception was game changing. Uh, Jaquan Bailey breaks the sack record. It was going to happen at some point, but it certainly happened at an opportune time. He was all over the field in the first half. Uh, Orion Vance was terrific. A lot of guys on that defense, that defense that we thought was the strength of this football team, particularly up front. Boy, oh boy, they spend a lot of time chasing TCU quarterbacks. Yeah, I think the defensive line saved the defense's bacon uh, for Iowa State in that game against TCU because the secondary looked kind of shaky, at yeah. times, especially once Duggan came in there in the second half and really kind of picked them apart. And Iowa State's defense, the secondary made some mistakes in coverage, particularly on the, the long tight end of the, the long touchdown to the tight end in the second half. It was totally blown coverage on that one, Iowa State looked really confused before that that snap on that play. Uh, but if, so, if it wasn't for that pressure that the the Cyclones are getting up front from Jaquan Bailey and and the rest of that crew on the defensive line, might have been a very different outcome. Because I uh, keep in mind, you know, part of that was I know that last touchdown was against soft coverage and all that. But the idea of soft coverage is to keep the plays in front of you, and they didn't even do that in quote unquote garbage time. And TCU might have scored a a touchdown that mattered instead of one that didn't had. If that defense to some. Up, make a big play, yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I suppose did. that's true. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> Always and it important. mattered to some that they walked off the field without kicking yeah. the extra point. You had that well, at two and a half. You're yeesh. screaming at the television. Absolutely. <laughs> Always important to get the best number. Wide receiver group. You know, we and saw- keep, that, keep that in mind. That, that's an NCAA rule, too. Yeah, you're not right. Like the coaches just decided. That's, yep. that's a rule. Wide receiver group, we saw week one, a lot of reliance on Xavier Hutchinson and spread it around mm-hmm. a little bit more. We saw Akers make a big play, a touchdown for Wilson, even a little bit of skates as he uh, went out there and made a 44-yard grab, spreading it around a little bit more, not over-reliance. How much do you put on that, just having Char- Charlie Kohler out there and helping the wide receiver group because you know the attention that's going to be on him? Yeah, yeah, I think that was big. Kohler didn't walk away with huge numbers production-wise, but the fact that they were able to get the ball to him early and often, it did two things. It does loosen up that secondary, gives the defense another weapon to worry about and to account for, and it really it raises Brock Purdy's confidence when you can get a couple of easy layups, you know, passing-wise, mm-hmm. early in the game. And, you know, Purdy didn't have a spectacular game, and he had the one spectacular, you know, follow-up there. But the rest of the game, other than that play, you know, he was just solid and efficient, and he ran the ball pretty well on a couple of occasions when he was asked. He completed, you know, the vast majority of his passes, and maybe the, the touchdown numbers didn't look great, the yardage didn't look great, but that's because, you know, not only did you have Kohler there to take some of the pressure off from the running game produced in a, in a big way with the long touchdown runs, and that took uh, all kinds of pressure off of Purdy to be uh, perfect, and he was able to just settle in and focus on finding the open man and apparently they like daniel jackson true freshman was on the field and caught a couple of balls so they think they've got something there and for a kid who's getting his feet wet in his first conference game uh that that has to be encouraging uh on that front as he was really good you know what else i liked in the game and it was early in the first half and there was there there was, there was not much flow going at the time but brock purdy and Brees hall were not on the same page and i thought it was i thought it was good to see brock purdy uh, the cameras caught him. You know, he wasn't too pleased with his yeah. gifted running back. I think that's a good thing. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of leadership that Coach Campbell talks about Brock Purdy having. And we talked about, you know, Purdy off the field's pretty even keeled and, and very analytical. But on the field, he's got that competitive fire, and he expects a lot out of himself and his teammates. And he wants to make sure that, you know, if somebody goofs up, they know about it. And, uh, you know, part of me wonders if that wasn't a play that they were working on. Maybe they had some issues on that before. Uh, and and he was his frustration might have boiled over a little bit because it happened in a game. But he's he, he holds himself accountable, and that makes it all the more effective when he holds his his teammates accountable. And that really paid off for Iowa State because then you know after that, yeah, they they clicked in the offensive line, opened up some big holes on those big runs, and and Brees Hall made some good decisions there, finding the gaps and making the right moves to break off the big touchdown run. Uh, what was uh, the the what is I guess Tariq Milton? I know you didn't talk about injuries, but Milton was one of those guys that throughout the week I didn't hear any whispers or anything like that, or read anything that he wasn't going to play. When did he get hurt? Do you know, Dave? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I don't remember anything from the Louisiana game that Nor do stood I, out yeah. and make yeah make, make you think. Well, he's banged up there. Otherwise, it's, it's probably a question that would have come up before Saturday. So. Maybe something that happened in practice, and it really affected, I think, the whole approach on, on punt returns because, I mean, Greg Eisworth right. is not going to go back there because you think he's going to break off a big return. He's back there because, you know, he's just he's going to catch the ball. That's the one thing Iowa State wanted to get out of the punt return unit, just catch the ball, don't make the big special teams mistake that, that cost him against Louisiana, 
And so I was with Salah back there. Punting game looked pretty good. Kickoff game was decent. And so Iowa State really shored things up in that uh, special teams game. But it would be nice to get Tariq Milton back there because he does have a, a little explosiveness to him and the ability to break off some bigger turns. Yeah, I thought Rivera punted exceptionally well. Yes, he did. Yeah, the lefty was really good yep. for Iowa State. And from what we saw at the beginning of last year to what yeah, he's turned into, point. he's made big, big steps forward. Hey, Dave, uh, as he get ready to get back to Jack Trice after going through it the first time, there'll be more people in attendance, obviously, with the expansion outside of just the friends and family and cheerleaders and band that were there in game one when you look at that social distancing in the press box going to be much different for you do you know how they're going to have it set up and i'm going to guess a lot more oklahoma media want to be here as opposed to what you had with the raging cajuns yeah i I think the the approach will stay the same throughout the season in terms of handling the media where there'll be fewer spots available and they'll, they'll be socially distanced now i don't know how other teams are doing that but iowa state is also, you know, they're doing their post-game press conferences via Zoom, and they're they're also uploading those files, video files of the the players and the coaches, and making that available to media. So I don't know if other teams are doing that, where where that would allow, you know, Oklahoma media to maybe work from home, so to speak. But you know, both Travis Hines and Randy Peterson were able to go down mm-hmm. to Fort Worth for that game, and I'm sure TCU had their social distancing in place. Uh, there, I'm sure there will be some Oklahoma State or excuse me, Oklahoma media uh, coming up to Jack Trice Stadium, but that'll probably be more limited, maybe just like the Norman's paper and the Oklahoma City paper, and that might be about it. Uh, Dave, my last thing for you. We saw, and I'm glad we saw uh, Kane Nwango. We've heard he's the fastest guy on the team, and we've never really seen that opportunity. Yeah, we see him return some kicks, but it was good to see him get his opportunity and just run away and run into the end zone. I love watching fast guys run. Johnny Lang got a carry in the game, but you know who hasn't so far this season is Jirel Brock. Uh, what's the story? Is there a story there? Uh, week number one against uh, the Raging Cajuns, he just had his jersey on, no pads. At least he was dressed this past weekend. I'm pretty sure I saw the 21 uh, on the sidelines. What's going on there? Do we know? Yeah, we don't know anything about him yet. Uh, he hasn't come up in discussions about injuries. He doesn't look like he's injured, and so we kind of wonder if maybe COVID-19 played a role in that. I hate to just throw that out there as idle speculation, but it's all you know. You got to take that into account in, in this, the way this season is unfolding. And you know, maybe he did have an infection a few weeks ago and still is working his way back up to full speed and conditioning and all that. Or maybe they just are liking what they see more from from what Brees Hall is doing and from what Kane Nwango is doing, or even Johnny Lang. Lang hasn't impressed during these first two games much, but uh, certainly you know Paul's their, their workhorse and he's really established himself as a mm-hmm. starter. Nwango has that breakaway speed that could be a you know, good change-up for Iowa State, and maybe there's just not really a role for Jairo Brock right now in that offense, but you know, who knows? That could change uh, from week to week. Good stuff, Dave Sproul. We will uh, talk to you on Friday. Have a great week. Thanks, Dave. My pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you. Dave Sproul, KASI. Iowa State plays on KASI in Story County. Well, he's coming off a winning week. Got to win. Mr. Monday Night, next. Miller and Condon till noon. Dun, 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 dun. I'm sure we'll be hearing that. 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We're going to hear from Mr. Monday Night in just a moment. 
if this game doesn't live up to the hype, yeah. if this game's a blowout, if this game's a stinker either way, which team is more likely to blow the other one up or which team is not is most likely to not show up? The Chiefs. The Chiefs, what do they have to... They're Super Bowl champions. They've mm-hmm. been here. You think this is more important for Baltimore? I think it is. We've seen Kansas City. They have done it. They have proven it. Baltimore is not. Two straight flameouts in the playoffs. Yeah. I think the pressure is there. My question as it pertains to this one. This is the embodiment of a three-point spread. NFL, three-point spread, two good mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. It should be Baltimore minus three. Where's that extra half point coming from? <laughs> Well, if it was from Claxons, it would be me adding it so we could get a winner. <laughs> right. It's a trap. Lay the three and a half. Oh. Mr. Monday Night has you covered. Lay the three and Baltimore a half. Baltimore big. Baltimore. Okay. What do you like about them? I like their ability to run the football. Uh-huh. The Chiefs defense, what we saw against Herbert in his first start, finding out literally moments before the game, left me very, very concerned there. I think there's still too many question marks on that side of the football. They're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage up front, Baltimore. Baltimore wins this one by more than seven, more than a touchdown here. So you're looking for an alternate line? I am going to be looking for an alternate. Speaking of alternate lines, I did do the Iowa State TCU. I found it. I laid seven and a half. Feeling great till that final play. The final play of the game. Just. <laughs> and it is an NCAA rule. Dave Sproul is yeah, 100% right. Because it's not within two. It right. doesn't matter. What was Patterson doing, though? They had like a 30 40 yarder with 40 seconds left. You're going to have to get the onside Trent, regardless. I couldn't Kick agree with you more. Goal. I totally agree. How many coaches I, do this, too? Yeah, it drives me to nuts. Choir. You're preaching to the choir. I'm very happy you're on the same yes. page as me than this one. It, you need two scores. Yes. Get one of them out of the way. You had no choice. I mean, the last play came down, the last play of the game, get a touchdown, big deal. It didn't matter. Well, unless the points break. <laughs> right. But. But to win the game, you have to score twice. 40 seconds, chip shot, make it. You're going to have to get an onside kick at some yes. point. Give yourself a chance. I thought the same thing as the game was unfolding. But good for Iowa State. Getting mm-hmm. off on the right foot, nice to see. Uh, the, and the offensive line was, I didn't notice. There's a bright spot. It really was. Duggan, he plays in the first half. We might be having a conversation, but yeah, we're not. could be. Duggan, he has taken that developmental step forward, though. He, he looked good. Yeah, he yeah. looks so much more confident than we saw big chunks of last year. But TCU, they've been bitten again by another close yeah. loss, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that decision. Patterson, he's got some plenty of answers that he's going to have to give this week. Well, I can't wait to see and the And they get ans- Texas. I know they do. Uh, Duggan starts that game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For for sure. He's going to start for, from here on out. Uh, Iowa State's defensive line is going to be a problem throughout this season. Yeah. They got a lot of they got a lot of dudes and we Thanks to Early, your boy. He's good, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he's and, good. And player. Lee, he occupies a lot of space. Uh-huh. They got dudes. They got yeah. And it's not McDonald, just Juan Bailey. Lazarique. Yeah. Yeah. His brother's a nice player. Are they mm-hmm. 55. That's so different than what we're used to. Iowa State's had defense alignment. But they, depth. Right. This depth. This started a decade, 12 years ago with Georgia. They were the first team to really implement, we're going to play eight guys up front. Mm-hmm. And we're going to rotate them through. Yes, there are players that are better out of this group of eight, but we're going to make sure these guys are also fresh come the fourth quarter. And Iowa's followed that path. Iowa State's now doing it. Defensive line. SEC, they've had it for a long time. Feels like everybody else is catching up and understanding. You can't get by with three or four guys anymore. 
Iowa State's got more than that. Well, uh, 6.30 tonight, Iowa State's Coaches Show will air right here on 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. That gets underway at 6.30. Of course, we've got a lot of local programming between now and then. Murph and Andy will be in at 2 o'clock, and then the Fanatics slide on in here today at 4. Mr. Monday Night says, lay the points and take the Ravens. As they knock off the Chiefs and the dream of the unbeaten season for Kansas City. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for spending some time here with us. We certainly appreciate you spending uh, some of your morning here with Trent and I. Uh, we're Miller and Condon. We hold the 10 to noon slot on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for being here.